It's important that we have some public investment in skills training so that a person can access work, continue to work, make a contribution obviously to the economy and to the workplace, but equally build their career. Hello, welcome to KPMG's Talking Tertiary podcast, where we reimagine tertiary education for a changing world. I'm Stephen Parker, KPMG's Education Sector Leader in Australia. During this podcast series, we'll be talking about the key issues facing tertiary education with some of the leading experts in the sector. The voice you heard at the start was that of Craig Robertson, the Chief Executive Officer of TAFE Directors Australia, or TDA. In this episode, I spoke with Craig about public vocational education and training delivered by TAFE Institutes on the 29th of April in Canberra. Here's the interview. Greetings, Craig, and thank you for talking to me. Thanks, Stephen. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you've had a long association with public vocational education and training, or VET. You've had it from a policy and from a delivery perspective. You've worked in government and for the TDA. Perhaps you could um, tell the listeners a little bit more about your your background. Uh, Thanks, Stephen. To some extent, I'm a failed uh, teacher. Uh, I started uh, a university course when I left school in the West, um, and in fact did everything else by study at university, what was then called the West Australian Institute of Technology, mm-hmm. which is now Curtin mm-hmm. University. Uh, and so I gen- joined, then joined the public sector in Perth. Um, I eventually realised that all the action's in Canberra, so I came to Canberra, um, and in, believe it or not, worked in, in defence. But at that point I thought, well, uh, during my uh, career, and I want to reflect back on my career, uh, what sort of difference uh, had I made with it. So I then joined the, the Commonwealth Education Department. Mm-hmm. And that sort of started my journey with particularly vocational education right. and training. And so I was involved really since um, the time when ANTA closed, mm-hmm. I was involved in national vocational education and training policy. Um, and then the last couple of years, from about 2014 to 2016, uh, I worked in the Victorian Department of Education and Training, primarily to implement Skills First, which was really the Labor Party's response to Victorian training guarantee. Um, so I did that, um, and then because I was commuting to, to Melbourne, I'd made the decision, oh, I'd better come back and stay in Canberra with the family. Um, and so then I took up the role with um, TAFE Directors Australia. Great. Well, thank you for that. So let me dive into the heart of the matter mm. and ask you, what do you think is the rationale for publicly funded skills training in today's world? Why can't the private market just sort it all out? Uh, if we had the view that the private market could sort it all out, there would be no public provision for universities uh, as well. And we recognise post-school that we need to continue on with our education and with our skills development process um, because the returns are broader than just to the individual. Mm-hmm. They generate returns for the economy and for society. And so it's important that we um, have some public investment in skills training so that a person can access work, continue to work, make a contribution obviously to the economy and to the workplace, 
uh, but equally build their career um, and really build their self-sustainability within um, their working life and within their family life. So that seems like a pretty good public investment for mm-hmm. me. Okay, so I mean, there, there is a view that the market will fail, in at least in certain circumstances, to deliver equity, perhaps to deliver skills training in thinner population areas, or maybe in fields where the upfront investment is too great for many private providers. I, I understand that. Um, on the other hand, TAFE presumably has to keep on changing because the world changes. What, what lies ahead for TAFE? Does it need reinvention? Uh, a lot of people will be asking me that and they'll say, that is TAFE not flexible enough um, and the like? My first response to that is that TAFEs are constrained a little bit because they are given the qualification handed down to them. Mm-hmm. And then we have a national regulator that keeps them um, on track to make sure they deliver against that um, that uh, qualification. Uh, so that's maybe some of the background to why people might think, well, TAFEs are a bit stodgy, can't uh, mm-hmm. adapt. Clearly, though, the changing nature of work, the changing expectations of students, etc., means they do need to adapt. Now, I'd argue that they are adapting now. They have had to adapt over the last five to ten years, given the impact of um, the market Mm -hmm. um, and the complete upheaval that's resulted in the vocational education and training system. In fact, it's been the TAFEs that have been the solid um, agents for delivery during that that period of time. So they've sort of withstood the buffeting winds that have um, caused some upheaval in the private sector. But going to your point of adaptability and where is the nature of work going, um, yes, clearly they do need to change um, Hmm. and keep up with that. So that's a particular challenge for them. And what about the change desirably to the context around TAFEs? If if TAFEs need to change and you referred to the constraints that they work under, um, should we relook at some of these constraints, whether it's industry training packages or competency-based assessment? Uh, you know, could, could you think perhaps bigger about change lying ahead? Yeah, and I'll do that by a little bit of background. There is no doubt that the COMPSI-based movement and the approach to vocational education and training in Australia that was really implemented in the 80s and 90s in response to Australia breaking down its trade barriers um, and sort of liberalising um, and opening itself up to um, to global trade that we need to be able to make sure that people who were stuck in the old economy had capacity to move into the new economy. And the vet sector's been very good Mm -hmm. at that, and TAFEs have played um, a key role. And that's where COMPSI-based training came from. We didn't want to have to say to people, you had to go back through a classroom for your skills to be recognised. If you had acquired skills in the workplace from experience, etc., etc., they should be recognised, they should be certified, and that gave you capacity to navigate your way through a changing world of work. Now, my sense would be that we've done that phase of adjustment Mm -hmm. in the Australian economy and in the workforce. We've gone through a major process in Australia of basically a human capital injection into the Australian um, workforce. And so most people now would either go through a vet sector or um, higher education sector um, as their pathway into their their career. So we don't need to do all this sort of catch-up work. Um, Now, so why would we then be, at this point in time, 
so focused in our CompC-based training system by training somebody for a job, the specific aspects of the job, what we would call those competencies, all those tasks, when we know from all studies around the world that those jobs are going to be subject mm-hmm. to change, either from automation that's going to cha- take that job away, change some aspects of that job, or automation that will fundamentally change the organisation of the workplace. Um, so it seems a bit odd to me that we are trying to target our skilling in such a direct way to a job that's really is quite fungible in, in many respects. I think what we need to be able to do is to make sure that we prepare people with a broad range of skills and the underpinning knowledge that gives them capabilities to navigate that changing world of work. Uh, hopefully up the qualifications or the skills profile. Okay, I understand that, but what in practice would need to change? Would it mean that TAFE institutes develop their own qualifications for accreditation rather than teaching to pre-given packages? Would it mean moving away from competency-based to graded assessment? How practically would TAFEs be different? Um, There are some jobs where there is um, personal health and safety involved or, in fact, the safety of consumers are involved where you'd want Mm. to be able to make sure that there is training against specific requirements. And I'm thinking mainly there, um, the care industries, but also the trades. So to a certain extent, competencies and capacity to operate safely against those competencies would remain a core part of vocational education and training. But in those other areas of the economy, those jobs that don't have that direct sort of relationship um, where um, you can be creative or there's sort of more thinking work involved, et cetera, et cetera. That's where I think we need to have a broader curriculum offering where we are clear about the underpinning knowledge that supports these work practices. At the moment, our qualifications really say, here is an occupation, we think there are about 12 tasks associated with that particular occupation and we're going to train you to that occupation. Well, to me that seems really odd because I can guarantee you within a week of being in the job, you're probably not going to use half of those particular um, those tasks, you're not going to complete any of those tasks and you get new ones facing you. Um, so I think it's better that we give them broader capabilities, the underpinning knowledge, They'll still need some skills about the practical skills about how to do a job, but they'd be a little bit more adaptable. Now, in terms of uh, self-accreditation powers or the adaptability, um, I can't see why TAFEs can't be given that flexibility to be able to do that, to be given some ground rules. Um, Because let me tell you, they have connections with industry just as much as um, the elaborate industry arrangements have um, nationally. And they'll be able to connect at the local level about what those uh, requirements are. So to a certain extent, they will meet local requirements. They'll be better at meeting local requirements through uh, what they deliver. There needs to be an associated piece of change in that area, particularly if we're talking about self-accreditation of diploma or advanced diploma. Um, the amount of student loans available for, through VET student loans is just not enough um, really to warrant um, high value um, for diplomas and advanced diplomas. So there'd m- need to be some loosening up of the loan limits that are available against that at the moment. Hmm. Well, let's continue the theme of the future. Um, Australia, as with many countries, has expanded its higher education 
system significantly, dramatically, really. And so I could foresee a time when you wouldn't really talk about there being a higher education gap or a shortage of higher education. But it seems that there will always be skills gaps, if only because the economy and technology keeps on changing faster than people can adapt to it. Does that mean that the future is bright for skills training? Uh, Most definitely, because I'd actually say the future of the workforce is vocational, Mm. because a lot of the tasks or the routine or the processes or even the management and coordination of work roles, a lot of that stuff will start to be done through automation, um, digital technology um, and the like, and it can be translated globally. The skill set that most companies, organisations will be uh, requiring are the ability to work in a team, the ability to problem solve, um, the ability to apply technology to a work situation. To me, that sounds like vocational and a vocational way um, of learning. And so I think we'll see a lot of people that will get a base degree even, or Mm. even a base entry-level vocational education and training um, uh, qualification, and will need to come back and uh, upgrade their skills. But note that I started with we need the base uh, qualification. Um, I'm not a fan of what we call micro-credentials. To me, that seems a bit of an elitist approach to saying the top end of town, those people who can manage their way through the labour market are trying to get these nice little add-ons to make themselves marketable. If we say that's the solution for people who have struggled in school, um, or are struggling in the labour market, we will um, we will um, give them. They'll be at risk in the labour market. So micro credentials, yes, for flexibility, responsiveness, but let's make sure that we make a guarantee to all Australians that they can have a base, um, almost qualification, particularly in foundation skills like literacy and numeracy. Uh, because that's going to be the ability from which you are going to be able to drive the ability to navigate your own way through the labour market. Well, you, you must be telepathic, Craig, because my final question to you was going to be around micro-credentials. <laughs> um, but I was going to come at it from a different angle of a challenge to formal education. Uh, the thing about micro-credentials is that they don't have to be part mm. of the Australian qualifications framework. And if employers will recognise an achievement whether or not it's through a formally recognised or accredited body, then that's, that's what matters. It's, mm. it's recognised. So can you foresee a challenge to TAFE institutes and to organised vocational education from new providers who don't even seek to go through the AQF? Uh, certainly. Um, and you can see... Uh, that happening already in um, Australia. And I must confess, I've looked at some of those sites mm-hmm. myself to say, well, actually, I do want to upgrade my Excel skills or whatever, and yeah. a day's program would be ideal for me. Um, so, yes, I do see uh, that happening. But that doesn't stop uh, tapes playing in that, that space um, as well. The trick is that the the... The benefit you see from a TAFE that goes through a formal governance and accreditation process is that you can have a guarantee around the quality and attributes of that micro-credential. So that would be what TAFEs and universities and almost all registered um, training providers would be able to offer into the labour market for through a micro-credential. Well, thank you, Craig. That that was fascinating, and it's drawn on your long experience as a policymaker as well as 
working directly with TAFE Institute. So thank you for coming in and talking tertiary with me. My pleasure. That was my conversation with Craig Robertson, the Chief Executive of TAFE Directors Australia. We talked about a range of issues to do with vocational education and training, the role that public providers play, and what the future might hold for them. In the next episode, we'll continue with a TAFE theme with Professor Martin Dole, who is Professor of Leadership in Further Education and Skills at University College London. Thank you all for your feedback so far. Do keep it coming. You can get in touch on email, talkingtertiary at kpmg.com.au. On Twitter, I'm at Stephen Parker ED. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also find out more about our thinking on the education sector at kpmg.com slash au slash education future. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak with you next time on Talking Tertiary.